and welcome to Pigskin Podcast. Yes, we're back. Um, today is the fifth and sixth, sixth anniversary of our first ever uh, Pigskin Podcast episode. And, you know, every time there's a big event in the NFL, I still get my phone out and I drop a message to James. And we have a little bit of a chinwag about it. And then both of us had this hive mind moment yesterday where we were like, Maybe, maybe we should do one more, just just one more. I don't think this will be a regular thing. We might do a few more occasional ones, but this isn't going to be like a weekly thing. And we thought, sod it, we'll do one more. <laughs> so here we are, uh, James. Uh, welcome back. Thanks. Lovely to be back. Hello, listeners. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a while, hasn't it? But it's good to get back in the saddle. The horses. Uh, possibly lame now. It may, may, even be, <laughs> may even be a donkey, but in the saddle we are, and um, looking forward to uh, to talking some draft. It's we started, we were born in the draft, and we're we're resurrected in the draft as well. Seems appropriate for uh, for, for Greek Orthodox Easter this weekend. But. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we we're not in our usual haunt, um, the Pigskin Podcast Studio, as it was known, uh, which was the uh, Radio Two Studio is. Funnily enough, no longer active to me as I no longer work there. Uh, and we've all Seems worked... selfish. Seems I mean, very selfish that they don't let you go in. I mean, they just, just didn't think outside the box enough, if you're, you're asking me. Um, but I'll tell you something about just this draft drew us in. And, and I think what it was, was the fact that, you know, we've, we've had so much of traditional lockdowns and watching things not going ahead. The thought of actually seeing an exciting draft where we didn't know where all the picks were going, where there's trades all around, there's a potential for shocks, there's a potential for franchises being torn apart by ludicrous picks, which we all love. Um, and the fact that it was going to happen in front of a live audience, I just couldn't I couldn't avoid the chance of boring you all about it. <laughs> it was, it, it's, it, it, we will never have another draft like this. I think we said that last year, um, but last year at least there was like, quite a, a bit there was a there was like a plan there was quite a bit to go on um this year nobody's played but people have played like a handful of games um we you know a lot of people are going off really old tape um it's it, it just seems like a bonkers year to be trying to make franchise altering decisions but having it as you say like right at the point at which crowds could start being there you know, I'll I'll take the memory of uh, Roger Goodell singing "Sweet Caroline" uh, <laughs> with me to 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 my grave. That was well, the uh, that was the well, moment I was just like, "Oh, the NFL's back," and like, COVID's over. Now we can now we can properly start the. Party. Well, let's let's get on to how the NFL decided to stage this. You know, I hate the 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 phrase a draft like no other, but you know this this was something they tried to pitch as this, and I can tell you what I I hope it is a draft like no other because. You know, as NFL fans in the UK, we have to get up in the middle of the night. Me and James were talking before we came on air about the fact that both of us particularly struggled to make it to the end of the draft this year, probably more than I've ever done. Um, and I think part of that was the fact that we started 25 minutes late because we had to put up with Kings of Leon randomly just, you know, bashing out some tunes. They're not exactly high octane, are they? <laughs> You know, it's a fairly it's a fairly tepid start to the draft. Well, it was also the fact that it was you know of all the acts that are current, they went with Kings of Leon. It's like I was half expecting Maroon Five and Millie Vanilli to walk out. Like, it, what what was the era they were aiming at there? Who was this for? Because it wasn't for me. I I, I, I 
do you think they just asked the first name, the, the, the biggest name they could, who's, who's willing to perform like in front of a live audience again? It is. I mean, plastic. Kids of Leon are pretty. I mean, they're not my bag, but they're pretty big, are they not? They are, are, they still, are they still big? Are they well, this is the big? thing. Like, it's, it's they've, kind of... they've, they've got down the non-fungible token rig, so I assume they're quite. <laughs> I assume they're quite relevant. It, it stinks to me of sort of all white men sitting in a room and being like, "Who's cool? Let's get someone hip so we look good," and just being like, "Kings of Leon," like, bang on trend ten years ago. Uh, but yeah, anyway, before we get on that, the other thing that I thought was really weird about how they staged this was the fact that um, they had a chair on the side that just seemed to have loads of people in masks sort of sitting there for no real purpose. Um, and it was like the tiny Sim chair from like Christmas Carol. It, it, was, was. It, just, like, it seemed to be a callback to last year where Goodell announced some picks from the chair in his like rumpus room. But, but I, don't, I don't remember that being like a big thing last year. Was it a big thing? I mean, last year's draft was so weird. I mean, with that co-hosted ESPN NFL Network thing. But I, I just... Like, is he just calling back to something that nobody cared about other than probably someone in Roger Goodell's office who like Roger Goodell. Roger, <laughs> Roger Goodell really liked that. Like, let's bring that chair back and have a fan on there. Roger Goodell just didn't like the fact he was upstaged by Bill Belichick's dog and then thought, right, now is the moment. I'm gonna I was disappointed not to see the Belichick hang on the uh, on, on, in the war room. Also, worth noting, um every pretty much every war room was uh, fully vaccinated. The Pats wasn't. I'm calling Q and on Belichick right now. <laughs> but the, oh, the, the thing with the chair, just like to round up on, what blows my mind about that was they put the chair on the stage as if they were going to make a pick, and then that person who was never announced, never sat about, just sat there, just and sat there, past them. got shown, got shown the pick just before. I don't think anybody, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody looked particularly excited by it. It was all just sort of like fine. I mean, I, I, you could tell by about three that was going to get tired quickly yeah. unless someone got raging drunk and there did appear to be one guy i think it was the saints guy trying to go join roger cadell at the podium and had to kind of be told you, you know like you gotta sit down you're not a, you're not a covid hero you're not an single pick you, gotta go, you just gotta go sit on, sit on my armchair so it just got a bit weird i, I love it so by the end it was, it was quite freaky so i quite enjoyed that okay so let's have a look at the actual draft itself which you know the first selection was finally made at 1 27 a.m i made a note of the time because i was thinking you know are we going to get to sort of 2 a.m before we have the first selection and um, no surprises trevor lawrence and um, you know normally we'd have been even for the draft, you know the prospect factory with you james so i'm sure i can gauge your views on him but you know, just give us a quick thought on on that pick i mean it's the, the the safest pick you can make in this draft or any draft in in recent times really uh, just a super clean prospect who he's just got he's got a lot of energy about him the way he moves in the pocket his awareness his deep ball is a lot better i, I always questioned his deep ball a little bit i always thought there was a little bit too much of an arc on it um but you actually go back and you look at the film and he zips it with you know with pace with anticipation just a really safe pick. i mean everything's been said about him already there's there's a limit to what you can say as safe qb picks go he's as safe as it gets and you can tell that because of the process that we've gone through no stage was there any talk of anybody coming up to trade with the Jags to get um to get Trevor Lawrence at any stage was there any talk of the Jags potentially looking in any other direction I'm sure they did due diligence but Urban Meyer was all over Trevor Lawrence from the from right from the start and he perfectly that Meyer system what he looks for in a, in a, in a quarterback quick eyes you know a, a good arm good anticipation good agility it's just a really safe bit yeah and we'll be joined oh we've got a few people joining actually now as we speak so uh, we'll, we'll just chuck a few of those into the uh, into the chat so Stu Court is joining us uh from the Seahawks uh, we'll let him get set up now, but um... is he actually with the seat? Gosh, we have been gone a long time. <laughs> he's finally got himself a big job. Uh, yeah, so Stu, um, just to, to catch you up to speed, uh, we are going through the draft. We've literally done one pick, so we're really rapid through this. Um, now on to Zach Wilson. Um, now Zach, uh, I'm going to start with you guys. Zach Wilson, um, a man who looks like he's a cross between Max Verstappen and Tom Cruise, uh, if they were eight years old. Um, I mean, my main takeaway was that I can't believe he's allowed outside the house without his parents. Um, but is he going to be an NFL quarterback? Yeah, he's he definitely has that young Cruise energy to him when you when you look at him when he was sort of high fiving everybody on his way uh, on his way down the run. Um, 
I the other name that comes to mind when I when I see him is Johnny Manziel. I think he's got that Johnny football feel to him. The way he can throw a move, his ability to zip the ball um, down, down for, with like, like absolutely no effort whatsoever <laughs> up in the air. His pocket evasion is absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I just think he's he's got that that kind of twitchy skill set that allows him to move move around the pocket. But the best thing with him is he doesn't come with any of those knucklehead decisions that Manziel has. He's a lot more rounded, uh, you know, a lot smoother. And I think he's he's got every chance of being a being a solid player. I, th- I think when he was drafted, my first thought was how are they going to what are they going to put around him? How are they going to protect him? And drafting going and drafting Elijah Vera Tucker from uh, from USC at, at fourteen kind of gives him a bit bit of that cover. So they've they've set him up to succeed really. Uh, so uh, you know, in, in typical convention, we we go from one to we welcome in a guest that we don't speak to first because then we're going to go back to a different guest because he's more relevant to our first. Um, now Stevie. Uh, uh, you're a big Jets fan. Yep. Um, these are you two have got your man. Uh, man, it's like it's the first time that I can remember having an undisputed top quarterback. Like Bruno was good and he he did well with what he had, but he also had Jimmy Smith and Keenan Adel and Fred Taylor. So it's like he's not he didn't have to do a huge amount to do not to shade at him, but he wasn't the top quarterback in in, in league like at the time. Whereas I think Trevor has a chance to be. And after the um, it's so nice not to have it. It's so nice for a quarterback not to be a meme. <laughs> after after Blaine, Blake, Nick, and Gardner, it's like three, four million quarterbacks in a row. It's so nice to have an actual legitimate quarterback, finally. Yeah, it's, I mean, he looks great. And um, uh, I mean, it's really hard to come into a draft. I mean, someone pointed out that for someone to have been the number one pick, the presumptive number one pick for this draft for three yeah. straight years, yeah, he's, been, that bone, he's been, yeah, he's been the presumptive number one pick since he came out of high school, mm-hmm. which is like a huge burden to carry and to live up to it as well. Like, he's never, it's, I, I was, there was a, Someone tweeted yesterday that he's never lost a regular season game in his seven years of football, three in, or, yeah, four in high school and three in college. And I was like, well, that means we're going 255 and zero over the next 15 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll go on to the next pick, which is uh, relevant to me and important because I was absolutely shitting it until the point that selection was made. Uh, and I know that um, Stevie and Stu, we've both spoken about this on Twitter at various different times about my, uh, how would you even describe it? My hesitation, my nerves about the fact that we might select Mac Jones at three. And the, there was a palpable sense of relief that we went for Trey Lance. Um, first, Stu, um, how do you feel about having Trey Lance in division? Uh, oh, I'm delighted. Uh, Matthew Stafford <laughs> replaced Matthew Stafford. Uh, I've kicked it all off. It's just, it continues to be a vile, vile division to uh, have, have have your quarterback want to be anywhere else for three months. Um, yeah, I mean, before the pick, I, I tried to will uh, Ian Book into existence because <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think I tweeted, it's, it's, at, least it, at least it wasn't Fields because him with Kittle and Debo and Ayuk would immediately be just awful for as, as a Seahawks fan. But Trey Lance, there's still that, obviously, Move on how you did for number three. He's probably going to be day one, but there is that chance that we've got a, a saving grace of another Jimmy Garoppolo year to, to tie us over until we can not pick in the first round next year again. I mean, I think on that note, um, I mean, me and Jeff spoke about this quite a few times over the previous weeks about the fact that you know there's a, a prospect that we're going to you know trade up, and then it did happen, and then, then the horrifying news that it would be for Captain Bland himself, Mac Jones. When we got past that, I kind of looked at who was there, and I did sort of talk myself into basically everyone. I, mean, I even talked myself into Mac Jones until the point the decision was made. <laughs> But I don't know if this is about Valerie, but I, I mean, I, I can see a lot of what he can offer the 49ers in the sense that the reason that Jimmy Garoppolo is being replaced isn't because he's a bad quarterback, which seems to be the easy solution, you know, the easy criticism of him is because he can't stay on the field. He's not healthy enough. And, you know, look at the 49ers record when he is there. They knew he was going to be able to go you know, 17 regular season games and then go through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But also because the, the things that Jimmy struggles with are those sort of late pressures, those abilities to get off, off script and create something. And I think basically they've hired Trey, Trey Lance to do that, to fill that gap. But I think it'll be sort of, you know, probably a week six, week seven switch. I don't think it'll start week one. I think you probably will have uh, Jimmy G for a little bit longer. But I'm with you. I, I was hoping it'd be Fields. I can see the benefit. There's more upside with Trey Lance, but it's a real pick. And I think, you know, we'll come to it later, but I think the Bears did incredibly to get Fields when they did and for what they got him for. And um, there was a guy in the draft, which was, I mean, as far as 
pick at four and getting an absolute phenom like Carl Pitts. I think the Falcons are a sneaky good draft. It seems ridiculous, you know, picking a tight end or uh, the highest the tight end's ever been picked. But I think you could go in week one and instantly be in that, that talk with Kittle and, um, you know, uh, Kelsey as the top top tight end in the league. I think he's that good. Uh, yeah, um, we're, as Tigers fans, we're trying to speak a trade up into existence in order to go get this uh, because, like, we're, our trade room is so bad, we're trying out Tim Tebow at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> bring him back, bring him back. Yeah, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, Pitts is an incredible player. Um, it's uh, like you said, it's nuts that he went four overall and it doesn't feel like a reach. Um, he's like they call him unicorn in Florida, and he really is like he just uh, kind of do everything tight end and do everything well tight end. He's blocking got better over his senior season as well, and it's just our his that final season. Um, and it's um, it's just uh, I think it's an incredible pick for Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, eke some extra out or eke the last bit of juice out of Matt Ryan before you have to move on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to my mind, let's stop calling him a tight end. He's he's as much of a wide receiver as he is a tight end. He's so versatile. He can do the H back as well. He, he reminds me a lot of Aaron Hernandez without the baggage. He's he's that kind of you know. You look at. I mean, you think about Hernandez coming out of Florida as well and what he was doing. Um, Cal Pitts does that better. On the field. On the field. Aaron <laughs> yeah. uh, Hernandez without the baggage is quite a statement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's just such a clever player. He, you know, everything, it, every, he, he works his, his, his roots so, so well. Um, he's just, I, I struggle to think about what, what he does badly. If this was, in terms of grades, if this was, if, he, if he'd come out in last year's draft, if we were grading him against last year's draft, he'd have been the number one player on my board. He's, he's that, he's that good. Um, I'd have had him ahead of, ahead of Burrow, way ahead of Burrow. Um, you know, he is, he is so good. And I think because there's, you know, as, as I, you know, I open saying, look, think of him more as a wide receiver, but he blocks as well. He can block this idea that he's, he, he's, you know, he's, he lacks that physicality. The guy's like nearly six foot seven. Like he's a big unit. Like he can, he can get involved. He can block in line when you want him to. It's just, that's not, that's not something you'd, you'd use him for other than to unlock a really dynamic running game, which Atlanta really need to bring as well. You know, they've, they've now got all the tools that they need to, to, uh, you know, Stevie says to give, give Matt Ryan one last, uh, one last roll of the dice and, and, and one opportunity to go. I think the Falcons are going to be great fun to watch this year. I'm going to be entirely honest and just say that, you know, changing circumstances you know I don't get to watch as much Saturday college football as I did but I did see quite a few Florida games and he just you can't keep your eyes off it he's always the player your eyes go into where you know you and he's constantly a, a nightmare and I think you know when Gronk came into the league and we started looking at tight ends as a as a different style of position and and you know and then we've seen the evolution I think that the, that he might be the next bar like the next step that we see I think there are going to be people looking for the next culprits for years and unfortunately failing to find him because there's only one <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I've spent the last couple of years watching, watching Jacob Hollister and a broken Greg Olson play for my um, uh, Seahawks team so it's been a on... pleasure so watching, so watching like Kadarius Tony or Trevon Grimes, who we could go today, or, or probably should, will, will be drafted. Like you said, Mark, he's just kind of immediately drawn to, like, who the hell is that doing that? Because <laughs> I, I didn't realize you could play that position like that. It was quite, it's, he's he's absolutely incredible. But again, I really thought it was going to be Fields. Fields is from Kennesaw, Georgia. 
Arthur Blank needs to find a way to sell tickets. And doing that from a guy 45 minutes away, yeah, it's not it's not probably the smartest way to approach the process, but Jerry Jones has got away for it away away <laughs> with it for a generation. So I mean, yeah. I'll tell you how you sell tickets. You just put a ticket with Calvin Ridley, Julio That's Jones, and Carl Pitts on it, and that is it. I mean, I don't want to think about how you stop those because let's be honest, you know, Matt Ryan isn't what he used to be, but he's still a passable quarterback, and he you know he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and. With that offense, they're going to create a hell of a lot of problems. It's just going to be phenomenal to watch. And what he's got is a, a set of receivers that are all pretty handy with the ball in their hands as well. You know, as he gets older, you know, that arm strength is going to decline. Okay, Julio's, it's not Julio's big thing. But you look at Calvin Ridley, you look at what they were getting out of, out of Gage last year as well. And now you add Kyle Pitts as well. You you just you're setting up perfectly for that older quarterback who you know might just lose a little bit of zip on the pass and just finding him on those sort of short to intermediate routes and just letting them release. And that is what's so impressive when you see when you see Kyle Pitts is that the acceleration that he gets from a standing start. I just don't think I've seen a tight end do that before. You know, he's he's straight out of it. His, you know, the, those first, that, that quick step, those first five yards are just unlike any other tight end I've seen. You know, I thought when, when the Giants went and got Evan Ingram, I thought that was, you know, a, a similar kind of play, you know, a, a sort of hybrid tight end wide receiver. And, you know, a lot of the comps that Pitts is getting is Darren Waller. And, I just think all of those are, are just vaguely insulting to Kyle Pitts because he's on such a different level to all of those. I, I just I, I think it's such a I think it's such a sensible pick. This was this is the right move. That the Falcons might you know might if this works out they don't need to worry about drafting a quarterback going forwards. And if it doesn't work out, you know they're going to be picking in the top ten next year and they can do what they need to do to go and get their quarterback then. And at that stage, then they're setting them up with just this fantastic offense. You know, that's the situation, a bit like the, the situation Lance has gone to uh, with the 49ers where you're, you're, you're giving them every chance to succeed. I think Arthur Blank has played an absolute blinder with this one. I must admit, I just, uh, I just realized I was laughing to myself that knowing our reputation, he will definitely be on IR by week three. Um, so. 100%. 100%. As, as, as long as he doesn't turn into Aaron Rodgers with the baggage as well. That would be Aaron there. Hernandez. I mean, Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aaron Hernandez or Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of baggage going on with the Aarons at the moment. Well, we'll come back to Aaron Rodgers at some point, I'm sure. But let's have a look at the next pick in the draft because this to me was the first one I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, Cincinnati Bengals going to Jamar Chase. And it's not a shot of Chase. It's just that. You know, I, I always think you build your lines first, particularly if you've got a, your, you know, your franchise quarterback. Um, he's just come back off IR. Just get him a left tackle, or you know, and sort the edges out first before you think about getting a flashy wide receiver. Get one in the second round. There's plenty knocking around. Um, what did you make of, of Chase at five? I think it's I think it's suicide for um, well no it's it's downright murder um, for, it's suicide for the franchise and, and murder for, uh, for for Joe Burrow it's 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 uh, you just when when you've got a, a a you know blue chip prospect like Panay Sewell sat there to go for the slightly flashy wide receiver who is excellent this it isn't a knock on. Uh, um, on on Chase at all, he's uh, you know he's he's the best receiver outside of Carl Pitts in this draft. 
um, is a you know a fantastic prospect and will do really well. But you've got to protect your 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 your, your franchise quarterback who already has suffered with injuries because of the neglect the franchise showed him last year. I. I think there are two ways of looking at it. You, you, I suppose you could look at the, the fact that they, they could have gone sore and then gone to, to resolve wide receiver with an Elijah Moore or a, a, a Damani Brown or, you know, somewhat of, of that ilk, uh, you know, Dwayne Eskridge or something in the second round or the third round and and draft saw or you could flip that on its head and get get your star wide receiver now and get a, a you know a perfectly serviceable right tackle or elite guards you know an Aaron Banks or Tevin Jenkins or something in round two the the proof is in the pudding tonight if they do not go offensive line with that with with their first pick in the second round you know all bets are off Joe Burrow might as well just stay home it's hmm. for his own for his own safety he might as well just stay home I don't know if it's just because I'm old fashioned, but I always feel that it's it's much harder to, to gauge value or, or rather it's much easier to gauge value for an offensive lineman. You, there's very few elite offensive linemen that exist outside the first round because they're basically built like walls. And as long as their hands and their feet move, you know, and they don't have too many complicated injury problems, you generally don't have that many problems with them. I mean, there was that draft where, were, you know, the top two picks at, were both offensive linemen and both were a bit, eh. but it doesn't tend to be that case. And I, I, I always think, you know, if you've got a guy sitting there who looks harsh like... On, harsh on Eric Flowers, who, <laughs> on, <clears throat> who's, uh, who, you know, who's, who's, who basically should have won MVP for the past four years, surely. You don't give an MVP for a revolving door. <laughs> no, that's true. No, no, I know what you mean, but I, I think Eric Eric Fisher, um, who did go... Well, did he go first overall? Or he went first overall. Luke Jokel went you know, And that's right. And Jokel, Jokel was a bit of a disaster area for, uh, yeah. for you guys, wasn't he? But, yeah. um, but sorry, Eric. Sorry, Eric Fisher is, uh, has had himself a reasonable career. The worry is the other Erics that are there. I, I, I think you can get it wrong with offensive line, but I, I, I take your point. But I think you can get good quality offensive linemen throughout the draft. You know, I think which you can't with a right wide receiver. I think you, you know, it's. It, it's capturing lightning in a bottle, getting a you know, getting an Antonio Brown, getting someone who's going to completely light it up in the later rounds. But you know, there are offensive lines up and down the league made of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, undrafted guys. You know, you can do it. I just think it sets completely the wrong tone and the wrong message for what you're telling your your young your young injured franchise quarterback is that oh we'll get you your mate from college to to throw the football to yeah there was a lot of that but I mean I think I'm I'm realizing it's probably not so much that offensive linemen are good it's that I've just been haunted by first round prospects because until we drafted Brandon Ayuk right since 2004. First rounders drafted by the 49ers at wide receiver. Rashawn Woods, Michael Crabtree, eh, okay. AJ Jenkins. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, the, you know, the talent exists beyond the first round. There's a lot of, you know, decent <laughs> second, third round guys that, that turn out to be the best in the league. So just say. I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think Chase has a, has a potential to be a, a, a Hall of Fame wide receiver. I mean, I he's think he's excellent. That. Don't get me wrong. He's got, he's got that skill set. And I can understand why you'd be, why you'd be tempted for to, to do it and look as you know maybe Burrow was was lobbying for it in the uh, you know in the background maybe you know that was something that was really important to have him to have a more familiar target but oh, I don't know it just feels it, it 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 felt a little bit like a luxury pick with with both Slater and Seal 
both sitting there and both available. I mean, they could have realistically, they, I, they, they waited a long time before putting their pick in. I felt they might have been shopping that pick to try and move down a couple of slots and, and see what else they could pick up. And they've just played by their board, and they they clearly have have Chase ranked above uh, uh, above Sewell. And at the end of the day, if you if that's your mentality, if you are going to draft best player available, fair enough. You can't really criticise it. But okay, let's have a look at the next one because there was a lot of uh, quarterback wide receiver cronyism going on. Um, the Dolphins with Tua um, had two options. You know, they could have gone with. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith and instead they went with Jalen Waddle and I thought it was quite interesting that both <laughs> Waddle and um, Smith in off-season were asked at which which quarterback did they prefer <laughs> playing with and both said Mac Jones so um, start, start getting on your knees Waddle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Making> oh <laughs> it's going to be an awkward uh, sort of meet up yeah. with them too um, but do you you know what do you think was the logic there between with the Dolphins choosing between those two? Because you know a lot of people said you know Smith had an incredible season last year. I I think I I personally thought Waddle was a better prospect. Um, uh, Smith had a better season, but I think Waddle translates better to the pro game. Um, and I know I'm I think the size um, criticism with Smith is a bit overblown, but it, there is some um, valid arguments there as well. Like um, he does, he will, he will get hit harder than he has before in the Some durability concerns. Is... Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. And I, 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 like I don't think he was overdrafted where he went with to the Eagles at ten, but I do think there is a, there is, um, there is a reason to pause and think about it. And I think Waddle just is a probably a better pro than Smith will end up being. Of course, I I, I could be completely wrong on that. At the same time, so. <laughs> Well, um, let's have a look at, uh, you know, the next pick in the draft was, again, one of the safest picks in the draft because the Lions did get Saul, you know, new quarterback, Jared Goff. Um, you know, if me and Stu will tell you that one thing that Jared Goff needs is a good offensive line. Like, or choking aside, you know, he can be pretty decent if he's upright and he's not scared he's going to get twatted to the floor. Um, and I, I honestly don't think the Lions could have got that pick in quick enough. Uh, <laughs> and also, it's just a weird feeling for me because, you know, teams that traditionally draft badly doing really well in this draft. Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff going from Andrew Whitworth to Penice Saul is as good, is makes up for going from Sean McVay to uh, the guy who liked biting kneecaps, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, it, it, it was, as, as you said, like, as quickly as they got it in kind of says a lot because... This this team needed, uh, maybe needed that bit a bit even bit more uh, dullness that an O line pick, the person O line pick gets. But Saul is just he's so so good. I mean, he's only he's only twenty years old as well. So he's if if it clicks, he's he's there for the next 10, 15 years, quite easily. And Jared Goff or the QB when they realize when they have buyer's remorse in about seven games time. Um, <laughs> yeah, how dare you, well, how dare you, yeah. how dare you. Um, but yeah, so that, that is, it, it was, I think the speed of it just said how easy a decision it was at that point. And so they've got one of the best players in this draft and one of the best, one of the most concrete set uh, linemen I can remember watching over the last few years, because he was so good at Oregon in 2019. 
Yeah, abs- absolutely. And, and Mark, I throw back to a few years ago, but I really like the look of this Detroit Lions line. I think, it, <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I think, I think it's one of the most, one of the most solid lines lines that we've that we've got in the league. And R.I.P. Uh, Jared Goff. Yeah, <laughs> I think they do. You know, they do need to upgrade at wide receiver. They're they're a team that that you know that are they're going to have to do sort of the opposite of what what Cincinnati's done, and and you know they're doing it the right way. Um, in your, in, you know, in, in the way we've been talking about it, is they've got, you know, they're built from the line, and now they need to go and get the skill position players to to do that. I think DeAndre Swift, if he stays fit, is fine. Um, Jared Goff can, you know, can get a team to a Super Bowl um, uh, with a lot of help from his surrounding talent. Um, <laughs> and um, and but all he's missing now are some weapons. So go and get the guy some weapons today. Yeah, and an unprecedented start at the um, top of the draft. Seven straight offensive picks. Um, uh, and I got them all right. I mocked them all. <laughs> nice. I mean, I just mocked them, but, you know, you, you were much more successful at the drafting, Luck. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think it's quite interesting because, you know, the it's been kind of a dying phrase for a long time, but that whole defense wins championships. You're seeing not just the fact that they were all offensive picks, but look at the sort of style of player that was selected. You're getting a lot more mobility. You're getting, you know, guys that can do multiple things on offense, gadget players that are getting drafted high and basically trying to work them into systems rather than, you know, sort of you go back to the years of Michael Vick and where you'd have these incredible athletic prospects and then they'd go, right, well, now you've got to fit into an NFL system. Now we're getting athletes and fitting the systems around them i think it's quite an interesting change yeah i'm, I'm not, <laughs> not, I, I, it'll come as no surprise to long-term listeners that i'm less of a fan of this i prefer it if we were back to back to running for three yards constantly <laughs> in <a cloud> <laughs> winning, winning in the winning in the uh winning in the trenches but no it, you it, it was... that chair was out for uh roger goodell and you bought the chair out so you could sit on it and have a grump <laughs> big old moan um no I, I can you know it's the league is the league's definitely changing as you say you know Jalen Ward was a, a, a great prospect, but he is a gadget player. He's the kind of player that would have gone in the 20s, or 20s, 30s, or even day two a few years ago. And now he's getting drafted in the top 10. It says a lot about the direction that the league's going in um, and the, the, the way the game is, has, has completely changed. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting. It's, and I think, you know, as we, as we move down to, 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 you know, where, Defensive players finally got taken, Mark with uh, with with pick eight and uh, and JC Horn. You're seeing players that on the defense are now responding to what's happening on offense. Yeah. And, so I, I mean, this is a quite an interesting section because we have back to back picks: Panthers and Broncos, Horn, then Certain. Were you surprised at the order of those two? Because I think a lot of people had Certain higher. Yeah, I, I think I, I had Certain higher. I. I I, I, there was something about JC Horn that just didn't didn't sit right for me in terms of his. The, I, I just think his his production just wasn't really there. He he seems quite quite tactile. He's he's quite a handsy handsy defender. Um, I, I, I think his tackling can be a little bit a little bit weak. But in terms of a guy who can just fly around. Um, you know, he's 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 definitely got that again. He explodes out into his releases, very good, like very fluid. Um, so I, I can I can understand why. I, I think it was very much a situational thing for the for the Broncos. I think a lot of teams probably had Satane higher on their board. 
Um, but they, the, the the talk definitely seemed to be that they saw something in Horn that they felt matched what they had already on their roster and was was a good complementary piece to uh, to their defensive backs. If you guys, Stu and Stevie, if you were going to sort of select one of the two cornerbacks, which one were you you know hottest on? And do you think that both of them will be happy with their selections? Uh, I I had I prefer JC Horn. Um, and also, like I said, with Fields. The, I mean, the, South Carolina has been an absolute carousel of quarterbacks over his time there. He's played o- opposite Izzy uh, Mukawamu, but Hall is just, he's hes sticky. He's kind of like that kind of, he, he on our podcast a few weeks ago to name drop massively, we had Doug Baldwin on uh, talking about how the mentality Ooh. changed um, in 2011. And it, watching Horn kind of gives me that vibe that he's someone who could, Change the tone. Obviously, Keekley's not there anymore. Thomas Davis isn't there anymore. And I think on that defensive backside for the Panthers, he's someone who can come in and kind of change that mentality just by ferocity, really, at which he seems to he, he plays for the Gamecocks. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've had one vote for each of them, so I'm not going to split the tie. I don't think you could really go wrong with either. <laughs> I don't think you could really go wrong with either of them. Um, I think they're both good players and they both project well to... I think they're both good fits for the teams that took them as well. Um, so um, yeah, I, I think we, I think they'll both be good picks. I just thought it was funny that the two cornerbacks went off the board just before the Cowboys pick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, it did seem, yeah, it did seem sort of a brutal, a brutal run. <laughs> well, let's let's get into that yeah. pick because I absolutely love this. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through the Twitter conversation. Sorry, the uh, WhatsApp conversation I was having with James uh, about that time. Um, and let me just scroll back up. I've got. I just can't make sure they get there. Uh, oh my god, we spoke so much shit last night. <laughs> uh, here we go. And you said, "I really, really hope Smith is here. I think we could get Smith. I'm really hoping it's him." <laughs> and then what happens is that just before you're about to make your selection, there's a trade, and not just any trade. This is a sister shagging trade between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Just That's disgusting. Like the screw Eagles, you over. The Eagles, the Eagles just just shagging their sisters all over the NFC East <laughs> on, on the Giants over from from week seventeen, and then you know throw it, you know, with the uh, throwing the game against the Redskins, and then this. It's just against who? Against Washington Football Team. Um, you know, you just think, oh. You know, honestly, just soft stuff then, you know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I didn't really understand this. Like, I, whatever about swapping late round picks, but trading a first round pick, like, especially that kid's going to be dancing in on your logo in your end zone one way or the other. Do you want to be for the other, for your division rival? Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's a difficult it, thing to sell, isn't it? Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't get much back for it either. Like, didn't they just get a third rounder? Yes, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they. From a from a Cowboys perspective, if you're not gonna, you know, if you've lost those cornerbacks and you and you're not gonna go wide receiver, you're looking at the teams that are picking though the Giants, who never ever draft linebackers in the first round, not since Carl Banks in '84, and then you've got the Eagles, who are highly unlikely to take linebacker. So if you can move a couple of spots, realistically, probably still get the guy you were going to get, then kind of just throwing a third, you know, you've, you've, you've got a bonus third round pick for the guy you were going to pick anyway. I can't, I, I can't really fault the Cowboys for that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, 
the thing is, from the Eagles, as much as I'd like to, I mean, you just <laughs> be, you just shouldn't be allowed to trade within your division. Like, yeah, just, exactly. Like just, if, if if the Jays, it's just if disgusting. The, if the Jays made if the Jays made that trade with the Titans, I wouldn't have been happy. No matter who the players were, I just like don't do that. No, and you know, so yeah, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to enhance what your, you know, what your rivals have got. Oh yeah, yeah. well, I mean, you know, we've well, got an interesting relationship, the Seahawks and the 49ers, haven't we, Stu? Because we don't trade, but what we do do is, as soon as a 49ers player leaves our roster, they're <laughs> on the practice squad for the Seahawks within minutes, and vice versa. <laughs> and there's this weird sort of symbiotic relationship we seem to have had since, well, at least the Harbour era. That makes perfect yeah. sense because you want to go and find out. He's like, right, before you forget it, tell us exactly where every single X and O is on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. Like, I, I mean, it's it, it's gone beyond parody now. It's like yeah. as soon as you see a vaguely com- competent player leaving, I can tell you they're going to be on the Seahawks by the next day. I don't even bother looking. <laughs> not even the not even the vaguely competent ones in some cases. No, no. that's true. Um, but yeah, let's um, yeah, we got more into that um, the, the actual selection itself because uh, I actually thought when the Eagles did trade up that they might be going for Fields, um, and instead what they did was they found you know it's another situation you go and find a quarterback connection with your college and I, I just uh, no, it was always going to be it was always going to be Smith for the mo- as soon as they traded up for me it was like this is. This is Smith all over. Like they, they, uh, the Giants, and your heart just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean the Giants. The Giants have a leaky war room. We've always had quite a leaky war room, and like Devonte Smith had been one of the names. Of, like if they go wide receiver, it's going to be Devonte Smith. That's that was always the one. You know, they, I, I'm sure some of the reasons why he started to slip down that board is you know, various people within the Giants organization dripping poison to various other scouts across the league. And, you know, that's how this process works. And it was becoming obvious he was there. Smith today talked about being shocked that the Eagles had selected him. Doesn't sound like there was much contact between them. There was a lot of contact with the Giants and Smith. We know that. And I think it's it's sort of come out of left field that not only is he not a Giant, but he's now having to suffer the indignity of being an Eagles player. <laughs> I feel my heart goes out to him you know like he's and he's you know like having to play with a third-rate quarterback you know as opposed to Danny Dimes yeah in a third-rate city you know like it's just I just feel so for a you know trash can support I just feel so sorry for him my heart goes out to Devontae why don't you tell us how you really feel um I I, I can't you won't let me swear on this one (laughs) I I mean I I don't remember such a clear example of a team vulturing another team like that because obviously what the Giants did later in the round kind of proves that it was Devontae who they wanted. At- yeah. I, I think the Giants played it really cool um, in terms of... When, as well when as actually- you can when someone sort of run off of your Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Um, but, you know, Joe Judge said they've worked through all the scenarios. I mean, as if that's something they hadn't done in previous years. But he's like, you know, we had a scenario for everything. So this must have been on their, you know, in their mind. And it was clearly, right, if that happens, try and trade down and we'll go and get 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 Tony. Um, which is what they did. And in fairness, they got good value back for that pick. They were the only team to pick up a 22 first round uh, on the night those picks are going to be like gold dust because next year you know god willing we all get to see some actual football 
and evaluating prospects is going to be a lot easier. If it doesn't work out for, with uh, with Danny Dimes, we've got the prerequisite two number ones and obviously a future 23 or a 24 pick as well. So we'll be able to move into a position for a, for a quarterback next year if we need to. So in a way, it's it, and, we've, and we've still got a dynamic playmaker. If a playmaker still feels like a luxury for the holes that the Giants have, I still think we needed to be thinking about the long-term future of our offensive line. Maybe that gets addressed today. Pass rush is still a big issue for us. Um, and when we moved down I think you know go back to our conversation last night Mark that when they moved down my first thought was makes a hell of a lot of sense we've not got the wide receiver the luxury wide receiver we want let's go do something sensible and draft whichever one of the pass rushes we have ranked ranked highest on our board and and let's see what happens now maybe that was the plan and Jalen Phillips was that was was the one they rated he'd already gone but they had the pick of the rest of them um, and still went for the slightly slightly sexy pick I and mean, we'll come on to the Giants but let's uh but because obviously they did trade out and the 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 Bears traded in and finally Justin Fields goes off the board yeah I mean it's a I mean I thought this was the pick of the day I think you know I think you hear on yesterday when you said this is the pick the Bears wanted when they went for Trubisky this is what they thought Trubisky was going to be I mean I've seen a lot of Ohio State as a Michigan fan and I have to think that you know, there's a few things he's not he's not necessarily the quickest in terms of his thought but he does go through progressions well he's got elite talent he's got mobility he's got durability i think he's he's talented and i think he's going to be the person that in a few years you look back and go oh people passed on him <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the person i'm happiest for is alan robinson because <laughs> he's got he went from blake Bortles to mitch Trubisky. Yeah. And, now, and now finally Justin Fields oh, so <laughs> can actually throw a ball yeah. I mean like, yeah I mean like last year the Jaguars traded Nick Foles to Chicago <laughs> I was like A-Rob like, must wake up cursing the name of the Jaguars <laughs> but yeah no um, I think the Bears played an absolute blinder with, uh, yeah. with this pick um, it was like I don't understand how he how I like I he was my number two quarterback yeah. yeah, and I get um, fit and <clears throat> and projection whatever, but I think I think he should have been second off the board to the Jets, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, you look at the you know the teams that didn't take a quarterback as well. I mean, we spoke about you know Atlanta. You know, obviously Cincinnati have got a quarterback. Miami are happy with where they are. You know, Detroit have got Goff. They've just traded for. But you know, then you got Panthers, Broncos. You know, you can make a case for the Eagles. All of them. You know, in years to come, if they if if Fields turns out to be the guy, you know, they're going to really. This is going to be like that horrible feeling that everyone has when they look back at the Mahomes draft. I don't think yeah. he's quite that sort of transformative talent, but I think he is going to be a franchise quarterback for a long time. And I think he's gone into gone into a good situation. He's he he will start. I I fully you know like they're not going to start Dalton. They don't need to start Dalton. He, I I think his ceiling is probably slightly slightly lower than someone like Lance. I am ranked ranked higher than Trey Lance. Um but I think he's his floor is a lot higher as well. I think he's he goes in capable of starting on day one, which which I think he absolutely will. Um he his 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 weaknesses are all correctable. I he's not a project in any way. It there's a his mechanics are pretty solid. They're pretty sound. It's a lot to do with anticipation, and anticipation is always one of those things. I think you can coach up. Like it's you know pocket presence and anticipation. You you know it, you 
you can work on that through a summer and get yourself where you need to be. Every other aspect of his game, I think, is pretty much spot on. I had him just below um, Zach just because I, I, I really like his his sort of toolsy skill set. But it, it's a close call between between the two of them. It's great value at ten. Like I just, I'm amazed. Evan. At 11, sorry. I'm just amazed that there weren't more teams interested and the Giants couldn't have fleeced a bit more out of them. Yeah, let's um, let's go down to the next pick. Um, Micah Parsons. Uh, yeah, I mean, Micah Parsons on the field is one story. Micah Parsons off the field is something I think, you know, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get too much into that. But, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a story off the field. And, you know, in this day and age... It just seems incredible to me that someone with that sort of off the field backstory can can be drafted in the top sort of fifteen of a draft. Uh, yeah, and I, I have I would be uncomfortable as a fan. <laughs> his his is the one interview they did on stage last night where you kind of listen to his answer and you go, ooh, that's yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not like like because uh, Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence came over really well she wasn't there, but. Matt Jones dealt with it pretty well, and uh, Waddle and Smith thought we good, but and Parsons get the microphone. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a, there's a vibe there. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the the, the the you know the, the 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 if we call them the positive red flags that were there, we're all about him being a you know a quarterback in a linebacker's body, and you know a little bit. Odell Beckham about things. I mean, the the red flags get much much worse than that with him. But and he's gone into the, a situation. A player like Michael Parsons, you either want them to go into that kind of Green Bay environment where they'll be nurtured, where they'll be, you know, a, a positive locker room where they'll be given a given a role, or somewhere like you know New York or the Patriots where you know they they have a way of dealing with players like that. Or, 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 or you not go the in, Cowboys. Or you go into an environment where they completely, you know, the entire law enforcement operation in the Metroplex is is on lookout for you. So you can do whatever the hell you want and know that it'll probably never make it into the papers. So he's gone into that environment, <laughs> which, but, which, which for him is probably a really good thing, but for him in the long term is probably not a great thing. I mean, the idea of him, him on a Sunday night after a game hitting the town with Ezekiel Elliott, every single doorman in the wider Dallas area is going to be asking for a raise this morning. They are in for a busy, busy, busy couple of years. Okay, let's move on. But he wasn't wearing a white suit, so there's no criticism there. So then we go on to uh, the number 13 uh, pick in the draft, uh, the Chargers going with Slater. Um, And this this is what you should do. You get your franchise quarterback... And you make sure he doesn't fall over. You know, I, I just—it's just common sense. Like, I mean, Herbert had a great year. The biggest problem he had was the fact he couldn't stay up long enough to get the ball out, which is the same problem that the Bengals had. And you know, they've taken the logical answer that it's probably not a wide receiver they need; it's someone to stop the big guys twatting him on the floor. You know, it just makes sense. Get a get a, especially now as well, where we have, you know, rotational lines becoming more and more present. If you don't have a good, you know tackle you're screwed i thought this is a sensible pick that's my yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I love this pick. He's a big, nasty guy. I mean, he seemed like a lovely chap. Again, he's another one that came over really well on stage, but, you know, plays with a big, nasty attitude. He's, um, yeah, he's great. I thought it was a bit unfortunate that he's uh, clearly either gained a few pounds or his suit had shrunk. Like, it, it looked like, I, it, his suit looked very much like I'm expecting mine to look on my first day back in the office. <laughs> like, it just looked, just like maybe, maybe he should have just gone for a chest size up on the one he went for. Um, I'm going to offer no criticism because I went through two multi-packs of crisps and more than enough for food as well. So, like, I mean, I was struggling to fit into a onesie on a sofa, so <laughs> <laughs> no criticism. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, clearly I wouldn't criticise him to his, you know, six-foot-nine frame. Three you like a bug. Face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, no, no, it's a great pick. There's, there's, there's not much more you can say about, about that or, indeed, the, the pick that followed that, which we sort of touched upon, which was uh, his, uh, his, his lineman, uh, compadre, um, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC who went to the Jets who traded back up to 14 to get there clearly th there was an inkling that maybe the Patriots were shopping the pick or were interested in him uh, to jump back up and again just another big beastly uh, lineman probably you know can play tackle could be a right tackle but realistically probably going to play inside um, I just think that's such a good move and it, it, you know exactly what we've said throughout this pod Mark They've they've gone and got themselves a franchise quarterback, and now they've gone and protected him with uh, with with a lineman. Well, Stu, Stevie, what do you think about those uh, those two linemen going in uh, back to back, and uh, two very large backs back to back? Yeah, um, I I thought we'd see more of a run on them, although we kind of did. Well, then the Raiders got involved, but um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Raiders! We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it, it um. No, it makes sense for uh, both teams. They, obviously, they need to protect their their new and newish uh, quarterbacks. Um, with the Lions that aren't, they were pretty leaky last year. Um, I I think honestly, though, looking at the trade up for the Jets, I think uh, Minnesota did really well trading back and getting what they did as well. Um, I think I think I think everybody in this scenario is going to be happy with their pick in three or four years' time. It, I I don't see I don't see any huge holes in uh, Slater or AVT's games, which is what you want from O-Lineman, no huge holes. <laughs> <laughs> and, we're back on, and we're back on to Eric Flowers. <laughs> uh, well, just, just have a look at, you know, I, I, I don't know if anyone else was struck by this, but I still can't work out why I found this so strange, right? So when the card came in from the next pick, the New England Patriots, I mean, I don't think many people were surprised. I mean, disappointed would be one way of putting it because we all know what Mac Jones is going to look like in a Belichick system. He's going to look like God. Um, but the weird sort of way that he strode to the stage, I, I just can't work there's, out what's wrong with his gait. They just like, <laughs> there's, there's some. He's all, he's been memed to death, and it's what twelve hours after the pick. It's it's it's, it's yeah. He's I I just don't get it with this may be like an AJ McCarron Bama mm. quarterback kind of uh yeah kind of uh shrapnel I guess but um yeah I just I don't get it but it, it makes so much sense like the the, the, Mink, the Patriots have played it perfectly but he's going from throwing the ball to the Heisman trophy winner to hopefully seeing Nelson Aguilar catch passes downfield in Foxborough it's just mm. I don't get it but his but his walk was sensational <laughs> I wish yeah. 
Like that, that, that it tired me out. That's how unfit I am over the last sort of 14 <laughs> months. It tired me out watching how yeah, like his gate was wide, his arms were swinging. He kind I mean, of looked like a budget version of Vince McMahon, but I, I was going to say he was a <laughs> yeah. young, a young Vince McMahon, just sort of yeah. striding there. But, but it yeah. wasn't quite as powerful as that. It was sort no. of a bit weaker. I, like I don't know. It was like he was trying to convince himself. You know, when do you remember when the Conservatives started doing that weird power stance thing? Yeah, they, <laughs> it's the only thing I can compare it to. But just trying to get a bowl on, but. Um, I think my, my favourite my favourite of the memes I saw was here comes the bank manager to deny you your small business. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was the I'm going to get the manager walk. Uh, but yeah, the other thing yeah. was um, the weird stat that came out of that. So, um, you know, I can't remember exactly how many. One, two, three, four, four uh, Alabama players picked at that stage. Um, and they're all from the 2017 recruiting class. And this is an incredible stat. So Alabama's 2017 recruiting class produced seven first round picks and one second round pick so far. So that's a quarter of all the players they draft, they recruited from high school have been drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. That is, I mean, just goes to show what incredible production line they've got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this podcast isn't, isn't long enough for us to get into, well, of course they have, but, you know, it, it, it's, at some point someone's <laughs> going to have to start, start asking some questions about, um, about high school recruiting because it's just getting silly now. Yeah, I mean, that was incredible. Also, I don't think all of them were five-star recruits, which says that... No, it says more about it. I mean, they just... Yeah. I mean, but they, you know, when you've got the resources that they've got to throw at recruiting at all levels, you know, it's... Yeah, of course they're going to... Of course yeah. they're going to get them. But, yeah. I mean, fair play. You, you know, not all high school prospects make it. You yeah. know, even the five-star ones don't, don't do it. And they, you know, Saban's got, you know, whatever pact he's made with the devil <laughs> um, is, is, you know, is clearly paying off. Yeah, Jones now going from Saban to Belichick is like, you know, there's no like that's a career tra- tra- trajectory. If he doesn't make it, it's not it's going to be his fault, not yeah. not his coaching. You do, you do feel for him a little bit. Like there must be a little bit of Mac Jones that that you know on that last day of college at graduation, he he walks out of that building and just goes, "At least I'm done with that <laughs> asshole." <laughs> <laughs> we've been expecting you (laughs) but it's i mean it's just on a sort of situational thing i mean you know the the 49ers sort of system was sort of pointed out as the being the perfect home for him but i actually think that the belichick system is a lot simpler for him because it basically doesn't require anything apart from good decision making and yeah, that's what he's got in spades and yeah. I, and that's what's worrying because yeah. you know cam's got the big cannon arm but you know has never exactly been the best at making the right choice no mm. and he is in many ways a a significantly better jared stidham um and that's you know stidham you, you know famous very... nfl quarterback jared yeah. stidham. <laughs> well, he's on, you know he's on the roster and who they they you know they tried their best to, to to convince themselves was what they wanted what they actually wanted was mac jones yeah. and it's it's such a boring pick it's such a predictable pick and it's so predictable that a couple of years from now, we're going to be sat here going, "Yeah, why didn't you know? Why didn't other people draft Mac Jones? Why has he gone to the Patriots and won another Super Bowl with them?" Um, he's just—it's—it just feels just inevitable, you know, just inevitable. Well, from predictable, so annoying, predictable and boring. Um, with you know, 
high upside. The next two picks were anything but because the Cardinals went for Zayvon Collins and then the Raiders, um, I mean, the Raiders used to just pick players that ran really fast and now they just pick players from really far down people's draft board in the third round. Now they just pick players a round and a half before they should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just absolutely. I mean, Mayock, is, he's just, again, talking of boring, he's he's just so dull. Like, Alex, <laughs> Alex Leatherwood is going to be a 10-year starter in this league, either at tackle or at guard. He's going to be unspectacular, but he's going to stick around. And people will go, yeah, Mayock's got it. You know, half these picks never made it. And here's another one of Mayock's successes. You know, and that's clearly his format is, you know, how can I pick players with longevity that aren't, you know, that are super, super safe, that aren't in any way interesting, um, but who will probably just be all right and be serviceable? It just it just blows my mind when Christian Darasaw is on the board. He's a genuine left tackle, um, who at worst is a is a solid starter at right tackle, but gives you that potential to be, you know, an elite top five, top seven left tackle in this league. And you go and draft a guy who is just so average, as Stevie says, or probably a round and a half at least ahead of where where a lot of people thought he was going to go. I just I just don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense. Well, also, you... like I mean, the thing that I don't get with this is because there's lots of people that jump on the defensive mail and say, yeah, but he has had success when he's done this before. It's like fair enough, but draft yeah. them around later and get someone else as well. Like it doesn't make any sense to get no. guy like. Like a whole round early. Yeah, but that's that's his. This is clearly his format: is get the guys who I trust are going to be safe and who aren't going to make me look foolish. And it's the same. You know, you could look at Cleland Farrell, who everyone was just sort of like, "Oh, that's you know, that's a bit early," and his product, his productivity's not there. But he's sticking around the league. It's going to end up with a second contract with them, and it's going to be a perfectly fine, um, you know, defensive sort of option that they've got who's never going to be a big sack guy but it's probably going to have reasonable production you can probably rely on him for somewhere between six and ten sacks a year probably for the next five years and he'll and he'll come out of it looking great exactly the same with leather with with leatherwood he's probably not going to give up loads of sacks probably going to stick around they need to kick inside at some point but they just miss the opportunity, as you say, draft them around later and at least try and do something sexy and interesting. What he does tend to do, though, is go and get the Josh Jacobs kind of pick around later and take those chances. Now, if he's really empowering that spirit of uh, of um, of Al Davis, if he's if he's got the Ouija board out tonight, calling calling <laughs> on calling on Big Al, he's going to go and get Tutu Atwell in the second round and really you know, spice things up. And we all know that Tito Atwell would have been a first round pick for the Raiders um, in this draft. Had I traded up to one for him. He, I, I was about to say, it wouldn't surprise me if he'd have traded up to go, to go and get him as well. <laughs> he is such a raiders pick. pick. Um, so yeah, they, in a way, you know, you can't blame Mayock for it. He's getting the safe pick with his first round and he's leaving the slightly sexy, slightly riskier pick to the, to the mid rounds where he can't get killed for it. And you're like, well, uh, I wonder is, is he actually is he doing that on purpose? If he like Gruden's ridiculous contract pretty much makes him safe for an extended period of time. If Mayock feels the same way that he's safe, that he can create he can draft the sort of like the safe picks now yeah. and then make a push for it in two or three years when but I I sometimes I don't get point. it. Like I like Do you know what I find so bizarre about it? It's because you know 
media picking is different from being a GM, but I always trusted Mike Mayock's sort of reading of, of draft picks, and he always seemed to be right. Like, it comes to the after the fact, and you'd, he'd very rarely make a big bust. And so it just seemed to me that they were going to get sensible picks, and and they get anything but. <laughs> well, they are so, they are so, they're the, they're the absolutely screaming definition of sensible yeah, picks. They, in terms they're, of the set, they're boring they're and they're good players. Yeah, yeah, but that's the point. Like, you know, he knows, surely he knows what the value of these players is. Surely he knows. Yeah. I think Stevie's got a really good point that when, when you look all around you and you see guys on, you know, you see an owner who gets involved and you've got a GM who's locked in for another, what, eight years? You, you you realize that if this goes wrong it's probably you that's going to be to blame for it so do everything in your power not to be the okay. guy who gets to blame for it you, you may never be the gm of the year but you might also survive the whole decade with with joe <laughs> yeah. gruden there. and and you know it makes sense as a combination you know he is the antithesis to john gruden he was as an he was as an analyst he is in the front office as well so you know there, there's some method in the madness there it's just oh it's just so infuriate because you're right mark like his his reading of the game compared to a lot of the other big analysts was you know it was right up there sharp pair of eyes like he he read it great and he, he's a guy who doesn't really need to worry about his future if he doesn't work out as a gm you know he's got a a, a, a decade-long contract if not more with uh, with either one of the big networks doing doing what he does best you know so i don't know it's it's just infuriating because they could mm -hmm. be so much more exciting the biggest difference between Mayock at the NFL Network with his production assistants and him in Vegas is that one of his production assistants wasn't Tom Cable. Yeah. This is this is the <laughs> most perfect Tom Cable draft pick ever. It's a mix of James Carpenter and Jermaine Effetti at 16. He's going to play. He's probably not going to live up to it. When when the Seahawks drafted James Carpenter, Saban was in the in the. Oh, room, I love I think that. Without Mark Ingram. Yeah. He, 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 you can see him mouth Carp. Wow. I'm almost certain if he'd have been in that, in that uh, green room last night, you'd have seen him nicknamed Leatherwood with a wow, because it's it's the most Tom... Ca it made me rem remember that Tom Cable was still employed in the NFL. In, 20 <laughs> in, tw in 2021, that man still has sway. Stu, until, until you until you messaged me on Twitter yesterday, I hadn't realised where he was and that he was there, and you did, yeah. I was like... Of course, <laughs> this but, all makes so much sense. Yeah, and on on, on the Cardinals pick, as I said, with, with uh, uh, Trey Lance at three, with you the 49ers mark, there's the, the one sweet relief for the NFC West is that Steve Kime is still employed as well. <laughs> because what it, I mean, him and Isaiah Simmons are not going to be able to get past that defensive defensive line to make any impact on the game, and they need it massively. It just made like. Oh, it, I'm so glad that Steve Kahn because yeah, they, they, he's living off the he's going to live off the Nock Hopkins trade for a few years, which again is is a nice is a nice Brucey bonus. But I just I don't understand that pick for that team at that at that juncture. And it was telegraphed a, a long way out. It, you know, this is this was one of those picks that a lot of people thought was was going to happen. I didn't mock it because I just didn't understand how it would work um, for exactly the way. So, and I still don't quite understand how he fits in. He Do you know what I think he's there really for? I, I think he's just there for the you know the lot of teams to draft in division, and I think he's there to stop Kittle. He's the like that's their yeah. solution. He's a mobile linebacker who can cover. Um, yeah, that's what they've got him in to do. But, but they. I, 
they they have they, other needs. <laughs> yeah, they you know they they had they had that and they let it walk out the door with uh, with Raekwon and you know though they've got a you know they've got a kind of slightly slightly lesser slightly more inexperienced version although granted possibly with a few more a few more tools on pass rush it just feels a bit ugh, feels a bit high as well for me I I didn't I wasn't that I wasn't that high on him I had him going much much later in the first round. Uh, yeah, Jalen Phillips was the next pick. We should whiz through some of these because uh, I realised that we've. Uh... This was supposed to be a quick catch up, and <laughs> here we are. Um, yeah, so Jalen Phillips is next round. I know there's a little bit of a divide that, you know, again, Quitty pays on the board. I mean, incredible story for him. I think a lot of people thought that's where the Dolphins were going. I, I think if they were going to go pass rush, which I, I think was always a, a likely option, it was, it was, it was always going to be one of the Miami ones. It, everybody's got. The, the pass rushes graded slightly differently. I don't know anybody who's got the same consensus top five on on who they think the best pass rusher is in this draft. And to you know, as I said with the Giants when they drafted down, I didn't like to commit to saying you know this this will be for Pay or Phillips or whoever. It's just whoever was highest on their board. And yeah. it kind of for Miami to go and take one of the Miami prospects kind of makes sense. They will have seen a lot more of them than anyone else. They'd have had scouts, you know, probably in training two three times a week. It's it, it just kind of makes a lot a lot of sense. So it was very much who do you trust more out of Phillips and and Russo. And for, for my money, if you're going to pick between those two, Jalen Phillips, despite the injury risks is the is the better prospect well that's that was my only sort of quiz between them was the the injury question mark that sits over his head but anyway on to the washington football team uh what did you make of the davis selection here just he's he's uh he's his measurements are exactly the same as bobby wagner he moves like bobby wagner he, he gets he rushes the passion when he was asked on the outside like Bobby Wagner, he's he, I, he was easily second behind Parsons on field for me at linebacker. I, he, he's so good, and this just makes it's another really strong, solid uh, riverboat rom pick in uh, the newest state in America. Yeah, and then we, uh, you know, you've got your uh, your wide receiver, not the one you were planning to get. You did get a king's ransom for it. <laughs> Darius Tony is he just a, a fancy slot receiver, or do you think he's got? Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's something the Giants. It's something the Giants haven't really had. Um, you know, like we since 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 Beckham left, like having having someone that could run a jet sweep was just like a completely alien concept. Uh, you know, Sterling Shepard tried his best, but Sterling Shepard's turned into quite a. You know, for for all his, you know, when, when he came out, he was going to be that kind of slightly toolsy guy he's kind of turned into more of an Anquan Bolden you know possession intermediate guy you know you see your first down the guy you look for to 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 get your first downs um unspectacular and Kenny Golladay comes in and you know has has his injury worries but again it's not what you'd call a a highlight real wide receiver he is an unspectacular solid reliable when he's healthy reliable starting wide receiver what on, we're eight, on, on eighty million dollars a year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't, I mean, <laughs> money, money in the NFL these days. I just, I just <laughs> on it. like it's just a never, it's just a never ending. There'll always be money in the NFL now. Like it's, yeah. I think God of the days of of looking at contracts. I just, I, I just, yeah, it's a lot, and we paid by him and Jackson a hell of a lot of money. But 
you, you know, you look at it and you think, right, okay, well, we've got him. We don't really need another offensive weapon, but we might as well add someone. And if we're going to add someone, get someone a bit toolsy, a bit interesting, a bit different. Um, and we've, you know, at, at 20, why not? You know, we've picked up an extra first round pick. We've got someone who's going to, you know, move the needle, do something a bit different, gives gives that offense mm. a bit of spice, gives Danny Dimes something on, on those sort of short outs, which he really, really needs, those passes within five yards to give it to someone and say, right, now go and chuff in, run that ball with while, while it's in your hands. Um, and I, I think it's a really interesting part. I worry about the character issues. Um, there are a range of a range of issues there with from you know a few injuries. There are gun related offences. There's his burgeoning rap career. There's there's like all there's there's all kinds of stuff going on there that you know normally in New York you'd wonder is that the best thing to do. Um, but you know why not give him a shot? He was he was the next receiver on the board. He was the fourth best receiver in this draft. Um, so yeah, it's it's a fine pick. I still slightly question why they didn't go past Russia on it. Um, but if they wanted if they wanted to try and say to, to to Daniel Jones, right, this year is your year. We've given you Kenny Golladay. We've given you Carl Rudolph. You're getting Saquon Barkley back, and now we've added a kind of gadgety wide receiver, you know, slot guy to come in and. And really move the move the needle forwards. Prove to us in 2021 that you can be a winning quarterback, or it's curtains and you're out the door. Uh, well, uh, moving on to the next pick, I feel like the Colts have got a. I mean, I think he's a future Water Pay Man of the Year in Quitty Pay. He's got he's got everything, and he's he's a fantastic high, a high character guy. You like to hear that sentence <laughs> a lot. Uh, he's he lives up to that billing. Um, someone that literally, I mean, the first thing he said when he got drafted was, "Now my mum can retire." That's what he's worked for his whole life. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a really good fit for that team. Um, then there was two slightly, um, you know, the sensible, not spectacular picks coming right up. But I want to get into the two running back selections that came back to back: Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Um, what do you make of these two? Um, with uh, I, um, the ETN pick, I like the player and I like the, the story that's told with him following uh, Trevor to Jacksonville. I'm a little iffy on the value at, at that point, but at the same time, the all the defensive players that were kind of like I would have been targeting as for the Jaguars at that point are still on the board and we pick next tonight as well. So I'm kind of, it's like, I'm iffy on the value, but the board broke perfectly. So if we take say if we take the safety from TCU at 33, it, it doesn't matter which order we got him in. It's like that's 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 a great haul. Yeah, that's a that's a really really good point because I I thought I, I'm a bit confused as to why you needed another running back um, as to whether that's that because was... because uh, James Robinson's best hundred yard dash has been 80 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and I and I get that, and he is again. He's a he's a very different kind of running back. Yeah, as well. he's a really nice compliment to it. I I did think oh, first round pick, but it's a really really good point because had you taken him at thirty three, you kind of go, yeah, it's a really nice yeah. pick. And and you know if you can go and add someone like Coromoa at linebacker or Merrick at, at, at safety, like you're made. That's that's sort yeah. of that, that's sort of exactly where you need to be. And you're and right. It doesn't really. No one cares what order they go in. Yeah, last year the Jaguars' offense looked like it was playing through treacle, 
And now, now you look at it, the projected, like we've got uh, Marvin Jones, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel, Colin Johnson at the wide receiver room. We've got James Robinson, Travis Etienne uh, at running back and uh, Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball around. Like that's the huge upgrade mm-hmm. in one, on, one off season. I was, I was speaking to a friend of mine this morning and saying, with all due respect, Stevie, I was like, this is the first time I'm super excited about the Jags coming. <laughs> yeah. like, this, they are going to be so much fun to watch. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. Like, it must be, it's, you've got all, all the good feelings I didn't have when the Giants drafted Daniel Jones. This is a proper rebirth of a franchise. I mean, you weren't excited to see... Chad Henney get curb stomped by Colin Kaepernick in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> and then we couldn't get home. It was great. Because <laughs> the wind was blowing. Um, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I mean, I think you made a great selection, but the, uh, Nudgy Harris, for him, you know, nothing against the guy, but I mean, the Steelers, again, they're a franchise with a lot of holes and I always feel like a first round running back pick is a, a luxury pick. And it didn't feel like they were necessarily in a position to be making a luxury pick. No, I, I thought I thought they'd go O-line or maybe try and replace uh, Bud Dupree, which was maybe a bit early. But, I mean, obviously, Coromo is there as well. But, yeah, Najee Harris seemed like a nailed-on, like, buzz name for them. But, it, like you say, it doesn't make any sense. The quarterback can't move or throw the ball anymore. So, it makes a little bit sense in the immediate future but yeah they have so many holes and when ben walks off into uh limps the, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. the sunset uh with uh with all that all his uh I'm, I'm sure we do it quietly as well they, they, they're, they're going to be in the massive hole and they had the chance to try and just plaster one of those holes with this pick and they kind of whiffed on it in that sense but uh, Najee Harris is just he's so so good he's he let Le'Veon Bell back in Pittsburgh basically yeah I mean I suppose the, the logic behind it is that you you know we all love Connor but I mean maybe the idea is that you get a bit of you know lightning and thunder and and you take a little bit of the pressure off of Big Ben but I just <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I saw I saw a tweet uh, last night which listed the the um, Steelers skill position players and said who's stopping this offense and someone had just put replied with a picture of Ben's roster page. <laughs> like, Here you go. You're stopping it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think I think he is the, the next big sort of that generation that seems to never want to retire. Like, I mean, I'm, yeah. I was surprised he came out of this offseason. And, um, and I'll be surprised if he's, I'll be even I mean, more surprised if he's there at the end of the year. I mean, you wouldn't expect Big Ben to retire when someone else had just retired do you like he wants his <laughs> he will very much want his own you know to go out with drew Brees is not that's not how big ben's and philip rivers he's not going to do that big ben will want to go out mid-season or at least be the first one to to get his <laughs> i predict his if, if if we end up in that situation where you know whatever happens you know seven or eight games into the season um and the steelers have got a sort of six and two-ish record you'll start hearing these rumors that you know, after the Super Bowl, Ben's going to retire. And when they oh, yeah. actually don't get to the Super Bowl, that will be forgotten. 
and then he'll very very loudly retire right in the middle of something else <laughs> i think i think it'd be hilarious if ben retired and then the next day tom brady retired or just call the press conference in the middle of that press conference <laughs> yeah yeah so that, that, that was the best. That's, that was the best thing about the Tebow stuff last night because it, it was clearly orchestrated to be talked about before the draft. And then Aaron Rodgers goes, "Look what I've got." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and fair play to Aaron Rodgers for doing that because nobody oh, needs that much brilliant. Tebow news. <laughs> yeah, no. That, uh, that Tebow that Tebow stuff broke within whispers and Jaguars Twitter uh, early yesterday. Um, I might might be late um, Wednesday evening. And everybody's kind of going, oh, no, once this breaks nationally, it's going to, please wait till after the draft. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, the good news you, is you now missed, that... You missed, you missed him in your list of offensive weapons. Stevie, <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay, well, the, the thing with Tebow, if he's good enough to make the roster as a tight end, then fair enough. Like, our tight end room can't get any worse. Like, we have... Um, we had... No, no, we had... We, we had, we had um, What's his name? The Bengals guy who was always injured last year. Eifert. Eifert and um, something called a James O'Shaughnessy uh, last year at tight end. And I honestly, if he makes the team, I whatever, it, he can't be any worse than what. Please do what you did with Denard Robinson and just list him as offensive weapon. And then never <laughs> oh, use him. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's have a look at the rest of the picks now. Um, so uh, what did you make of the final sort of handful of picks of the draft? Because at this stage, I, I mean, I'd love to say I'd offer reason and analysis, but I can tell you that I woke up um, <laughs> and they were discussing the fallout of Travis Etienne and we were at pick 30. So the, the following picks, were, you know, the Browns had Greg Newsom, uh, Ravens with Bateman, uh, Saints picked up Turner, and then uh, you know the Packers decided they weren't going to add any more to Aaron Rodgers' offense, which I'm sure he was <laughs> delighted with uh, by going with Stokes. Uh, what did you make of those? Not being funny, but like adding a 29th pick, a wide receiver or, you know, a, or some sort of tackle with your 29th pick, it's hardly going to appease a pissed off Aaron Rodgers, is it? You know, like uh, drafting Elijah Moore, he's just going to be like, well, so what? You know, like, why, why are we, why are we not like, why aren't you surrounding me with this talent year in, year out? So they might as well have got and got themselves a, a, a quarterback. I felt both these corners were, were were a bit of a reach for me in in Newsom and Stokes. I you know I had second round grade on uh, on on Newsom and a second and third on on Stokes. Um, but there was a little run of you know those, those players that I I think are is, is a reach, but you know clearly. Clearly, a lot of people had as first round first round grade on people like Bateman and Turner, who again I, I thought were second round second round picks. But yeah, it was just a bit. It was it was a sort of. There's always like slightly squidgy bit in the draft, you know, sort of after uh, you know after after the the, the last flash players gone on when people just get like business like players, and I think that's what you'd say about all four of those is they are just sort of you know solid business-like players who've got a reasonably good chance to be pretty good Bateman I think could be excellent in Baltimore I think they're going to be really good fun with him and Hollywood mm. Brown but you know yeah. obviously with uh, Lamar Jackson as well like they, they they've got a chance to be really really interesting and again Bateman suits what they have in that he's very different so he gives them a, a completely different kind of threat there um 
but yeah, and then you know, off the back of that, you then get that crazy run. Just as I'm there sit, sitting thinking, there's going to be a lot of defensive ends and, and edge rushes available. You know, middle of the second round, this is looking good for the Giants. We then get you know, effectively four in the last last five picks yeah. with uh, with with Turner to the Saints, Russo to the Bills, OA to the to the Ravens again, and Joe Tryon to the to the Bucks. And you think, well, who's left? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get on to what we think is going to happen, I suppose, now, really, with day two. Um, and my main takeaway is that the one class that's got a lot of talent left that there's going to be a lot of teams looking for is the uh, the defensive back group. I think that's going to be the run that we see at the start of day two. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a, there's a few second round marks with, uh, for my POV, we see what's getting there. Metafonwu from Syracuse, but I, I don't see him being there with with Stokes and um, Newsom going as they did. I, I think he's going to go early, late forties. I think I think he'll be long gone. But the, one one thing on we talked about recruits with Alabama. So uh, Joe Tryon is was number thirty two to the Bucks. He was the seven hundred and seventy third overall rated prospect coming out of high school. Incredible. And he's down the 32nd pick. It's also it's the 11th Washington Husky who has gone in one of the first two rounds as well. It's like Jimmy Jimmy Lake's incredible presence to kind of follow as a Husky Seahawks fan. And the, the work he is doing with those defensive players and getting them pro ready and getting them in the league at these early jobs is, 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 is really cool. And it seems to go a bit under the radar in college football circles. But it's- he is seasoned. It's phenomenal how good he's got that defense, that that defense playing. Like the, it's it seems now that every year there's at least one prospect coming out with a, you know, with a top fifty grade. Which, for a, you know, okay, we're not talking about a small program with the Huskies. You know, they're a big, big program in the Pac-12 and a and a big recruiting zone. But it's still not, you know, when you, when you 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 you're really recruiting up against the Stanford's, the USC's. Mm. It, to, to to continually pull 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 in prospects and as you say like low ranked prospects and turn them into the quality they've got it's uh it, it is commendable i say through gritted teeth as a, <laughs> a cow bears fan uh, but it's um but you know like it is yeah it's it's commendable it's it's you know it's good to see the pac 12 finally uh, finally representing i suppose yeah well i mean we're going into um day two and Stu, you must be delighted to use one of i mean i, I just i'd realized as we were doing this that it's quite a good sort of mix of people you know we've got the the team that traded right up to the draft and kind of ex- ignited it all we've got the team that sort of exploded the round of draft and the night the team that got the first overall pick and we've also got the team that have the fewest selections i think i've ever seen coming into a draft you don't yeah. draft until tonight 50, yeah 56 and then we don't draft till probably about uh, i think halloween is our fourth <laughs> <laughs> Um, at, least got, at least, at least you got good value for those trades for the most part. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, we, we got, we've got, um, we've got. I mean, Carl's done up to the seventh round, but we have got Gabe Jackson, Jamal Adams, yeah. Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not bad, but yeah, it's. I still, I don't know why. I still watched all thirty-two picks last night, like Same. knowing that the Seahawks weren't going to do anything. <laughs> And, they and, never do anyway when they have a selection. I was going to say normally, and then you've joined us on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, just, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's the yeah. I have the same issue watching the draft every 
year because it's like, well, the Jags are close enough to the top of the second round that they could trade into the bottom, and they never do. But you're always going to go like, maybe this one. And then 30, 30, the thirty second pick is on is is in, and you're going, oh, that was a waste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> four, hour, four hours you've missed. Yeah, it, yeah, it's quarter past five now in the morning, and I. I should be in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember last year at the end of the draft, it was like it was the 49ers weren't picking until late and then traded down twice. So like uh, you get those moments where it's like, it's nearly here, it's nearly here. And then both times they, they got on the clock once and then traded down, but then traded that pick before they got there. And, yeah. and then and then there were all these rumours that they were going to come straight back in. And I was like, <gasps> so I was already knackered at 25 and then it all happened. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Seahawks uh, social team every year tweet out like the Seahawks are going to be on the clock at approximately 8.02. And it's just like they're goading the entire fan base. We all know <laughs> that they're not going to be on the clock yeah. at 8.03 p.m. whatever. But, uh, but what yeah, do you no, think it's... it is about our division? The fact that nobody likes making draft picks anymore. We went the opposite. We used to, mm. we, we went like two consecutive consecutive years i think where we made the most selections and, and you know now we've well, you got we've... all your players now. oh well exactly and we'll <laughs> you don't need any more we, we haven't <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing is like between you and the the rams who never have any picks like you know yeah. there's not going to be we must have the fewest selections in a division yeah. well, i think when we traded frank clark a few years ago we had four selections before we did that and then we ended up with i think 12 selections and two of them were good so the fact that <laughs> we've only got three, I mean, well, yeah. if you get one, if one of them is good, then you're yeah, you're average at least. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, it, it came out the other day that we we uh we were on the phone to Kittle when the 49ers selected him, and we look at that draft class now, and none of the none of the players I think are even in the league. Naz Jones was taken before him. Tedrick Thompson was taken before him, and it's just. House. Yeah, so maybe maybe having three picks, not picking until fifty six, and as I say, not picking until late mid midway through Saturday twice, is is maybe the way to go. And it kind of feels like that was a part of the process for the Jamal trade last year. But now we've got to pay him uh, defensive weapon money. And it's going to be a bit of a Jimmy Graham situation, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, there's nothing way. better than you're hearing one of your rivals talking about, you know the player that you drafted ruining their their draft. But um, I would like to say that we did that intentionally, but I have <laughs> absolutely no faith in it. I think the only thing we drafted was because we were um, looking for a comfort blanket for our future quarterback, CJ Fefford, and just thought we'd get the tight end from his college. <laughs> if it was anything more complicated than that. It's disappointing, isn't it? I mean, I was, I was I, again, I, I'm never, never one to blow my own trumpet. but I was really high on Kit coming out. He's one of those ones that I'm like, yes, I've got that right. I mean, there are about three I've got right in the, in the past decade, but I was always, <laughs> I was pleased. I, I, you know, it did sort of feel like he was just like, Oh, that's that's cute. They've just kind of <laughs> given him someone from Iowa. That's that's nice. Um, but yeah, he was uh, that. That's worked out really well for you guys. But I think Stu, like three picks, you've got to make fifty-six count. But it, to a certain extent, pressure's off, isn't it? Like you've, yeah. you know, you've got what you you've got what you need. You, yes, you're going to have to go and pay Jamal Adams, but he's worth paying. And you know, mm. as I was saying earlier, it's only money now in the NFL. You know, it's slowly yeah. turning into the Premier League. Yeah, it's like the money is. Money's no longer what the salary ob- cap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the money's no longer the obstacle it was at this stage. So yeah, I I I, I did a mark with uh, one of the simulators where I traded back three or four times, got six picks, and then 
uh, one of the guys on Seahawks.com put out a story which really seems to suggest, no, we're just going to pick three times. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, it was all, all fun time. And, but yeah, Jamal Jam- Adams is, he's incredible. Like he's, like he's, he's fun with the production, whereas Clowney the year before was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so but yeah, it's 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 gonna be fun. Like I I I really want at least one of the BYU linemen from this draft class because they're all rather good. Tristan Ho, Brady Christensen, and Chandon Herring. They're yeah. all really really good. That's one reason I think Wilson looks so good last year because that O line is just incredible. I didn't realize five O linemen could block a block a quarterback for that long. It's it's really impressive. <laughs> of, Henning's the pick of those for me. I think he's excellent, like really, really good. But and and all I would think should probably be there at fifty six. I would. Yeah. I think they're yeah. they're in that kind of late second, mid to late second range, down to probably the mid third in the case of Christiansen. But they're all. I, I'd expect them all to go around <laughs> by that top hundred. So yeah. And on that note. Um, who is the day two pick you're most excited to to see, and and where do you think they'll end up? Be nice to see a defensive lineman go at some point, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, a, proper, a proper a proper defensive tackle, you know. Christian Barmore um, is my I think. Let me just check. No, he's my second highest rated. I've still got seven first round grades yet to be yet to be drafted. Christian Barmore is just behind Koromoa, uh, Owusu Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa from uh, from Notre Dame. Um, I, I'm really interested to see where he goes. He's a proper, flexible, five-tech, three-tech defensive tackle. He could go wherever you want. There's obviously Boogie Basham, who's somewhere between a... Great a name. Five, yeah, somewhere yeah. between a, a, a five-tech and a and a, a sort of base 4-3 end. Um, so, you know, I, I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where... I think we'll get a little run on defensive tackles when we start seeing seeing some of those go. Aline McNeil's <clears throat> going to be in that in that mix as well. Jay Tufeli from USC, I expect to go tonight. The only true um, odd front nose tackle. Like, he's the only, like, gigantic-bodied human being in this, <laughs> in this draft on the defensive line. So I'm really looking forward positionally to seeing where some of those defensive tackle goes. I think you're right about the defensive backs. We've still got obviously uh, Trevor Merrick, the, the the number one ranked safety. It's a really deep, deep safety class. I think you can get a you know a second round, third round caliber safety probably in the fourth or fifth round. Um, so when they go, is going to be interesting whether they go here or not. And offensive line, I think, is probably still the deepest position position group out there. I think there's a lot of really good defensive linemen out there at the moment. Tevin Jenkins is still there. Jalen Mayfield's still there. Wyatt Davis is, is, is there. You know, all of those names I'm expecting to fall in the in the sort of first 10 to 15 picks of the uh, of, of, of the of the first round because we had all those skill position players flying off the flying off the draft early early and often I could see now's the time for teams to go right let's knuckle down to the trenches let's build the d-line but let's go and build our offensive line protect our quarterback yeah um I also on the defensive line pass race Milton Williams and Aziz Alajari are two guys I, I I'd love Alajari I thought he might be someone who the Giants might kind of have yeah, a, I, take, take a fire on. I think yeah, he's 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 really fun. Milton Williams is just an absolute phenom. He could he could do it in like a three tech. He could do it on the edge, or he could do it in on the end of a three four. Like uh, in the NFL UK mark, we do. I I nearly took him for the Texans. Is that like JJ Watt kind of replacement type? But he's he's one of my favourite players I've watched. So they're the two I'll be interested to see. 
where they land. I think I think Olajari will go rather early tonight. I think. I think I think you're you're right. I've got first. I've got first, low low first early second on him. A bit lightweight. I think is the only issue with him as to whether he needs to go to the right situation. I think you stand him up in a in a three four, and I think he's limited to that. Um, you could possibly just have him, you know, in some obvious passing down situations. But I think he's again a very toolsy. You know, electric swim move on on, on him as well. Look great for Georgia last year. Um, mm. You know, last year and the year before as well. You know, I think he's just got that got that skill set that, that that suits. I thought the Browns might be interested in him before they got Clowney. I thought that would be a really nice spot for him. I think the Giants might be interested in him. I don't think he'll be there. I think he, as you say, I think he could go very very early. And also, um, you know, Stevie, you've got the unusual situation where we've got a first overall pick where they're a whole game clear of the other team, which means that you get the first pick in every round, yeah. which means you've got the pick of, you know, the next round. Who do you hope is the selection there? Uh, Maury, at the moment, I think the TCU safety, um, I think he, he got mocked to the Jays a lot in, at 25. So getting him there, I think would be decent value. Uh, Barmore as well, although I think there's been some character questions. I think it's what's dropping him down boards at the moment. Um, if he was there at 45, I'd pull the trigger uh, mm. quickly. Um, it's like two picks in the first 13 tonight, and then another one at uh, the top of the third round. I think it's. I think tonight is where uh, Balky and Meyer make their hay. I think they've made the flash picks. I think they need to make the good picks now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would. I'm just waiting for Trent Borky to pick someone that's sort of had two ACL surgeries. Oh, I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was convinced that they were going to get uh, Caleb Farley. <laughs> like that's just that's just a bulky pick all over. But um, it'll be it'll be in a couple of years when you've got a more settled roster. He'll start yeah. taking chances on guys that have not played in four years because they're you know tetraplegic or whatever <laughs> but, how's, you, how's you say how's your how's your center position looking stevie because landon dickerson's basically a, a a walking frail man at the moment yeah he, well uh, we, we, he, we, you know, he's going to be up there we brandon linder who is who is a great center but um fragile as well so i think we, we might be able to <laughs> just kind do, of move him on a bit together. they could do eight they could do eight games each or also, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that the 49ers are going to have a shot at Asante Samuel Jr. But it yeah. just made me feel ancient when I realised that, you know, he yeah. was going to be drafted. Here's, here's one for you. Tom Brady was drafted 23 days before Trey Lance was born. Oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. That... My, my brother just texted me that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's terrifying seeing guys who don't look like they should be old enough to be in a pub getting yeah. drafted, you know, yeah. with birthdays in the 2000s. It should be illegal. Yeah, yeah. no, it should, it should be allowed. Uh, you know, as long as Brady's in, in there, there are still players older than me in the league. So, you know, that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the focus. Players, players getting drafted now that if I hadn't been careful when I was 18, I could have been there farther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks very much for your contribution. We don't know when we'll do another one of these. Um, it could be tomorrow. It could be three years. It could be now. Um, but you know it's been uh, good to get the band back together um thanks so much for your contributions and um well i was gonna say until next week but it won't be next week <laughs> see ya bye bye bye